Hello and welcome to the Success Secret Podcast with Ross Hussain Talib. I am excited to introduce you to a series of conversations with some of the most successful and inspiring individuals from various industries. My aim is to dive into the stories behind their success and explore the knowledge, strategies, habits, mindsets, and wisdom that have propelled their success. Each episode of the Success Secret Podcast will feature a different guest who will share their unique journey, the challenges they faced, and the lessons they have learned along the way. I will also be covering topics from entrepreneurship and innovation to leadership and personal development. Whether you are an inspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business professional, or just someone looking to improve your life, the Success Secret Podcast is for you. My goal is to bring you valuable insights and inspiration that will help you achieve your own success in business and life. So get ready to learn and be inspired. The Success Secret Podcast starts now. In this episode, I have with me Keegan Hadley. He is a doctor of occupational therapy, a psychiatric and neurological clinical researcher, and an Amazon bestselling author who specializes in using psychological treatments such as ACT, which is acceptance and commitment therapy, with his clients. Keegan, welcome to the Success Secret Podcast. Hey, hey, how you doing? Awesome to have you here. So first of all, King, I want you to tell the Success Secret Nation, what do you think or believe success is? And do you agree or disagree with people's definition of success? I, I think success is getting to do what you want and being fulfilled through what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. And obviously that is uh, very subjective depending on you know what really uh, fills up your cup so to speak. So um, generally people only look at success as far as, um, you know, uh, money earned or maybe even degrees or those kinds of things. But I mean, there's many different indicators of success. How important do you think someone's psychological well-being is important? Like in general, we humans have lots of things that we deal with. We deal with other people who might be negative or positive our mind how it works so a lot of things so for you these kind of things will drive us to success but at the same time failure could so how do we human should approach our psychological being well i mean we need to approach it as any other facet of our health obviously if you know your your nutrition is very very poor it's eventually it might not today or tomorrow um, come back to bite you in the rear end, but eventually it will, you know, if you get morbidly obese or whatever the case may be, that's, that's going to affect you somewhere down the line, even if it's not in the moment, the same can be said for psychologically, if you're, uh, disregarding the different red flags and the poor actions you're taking on a day-to-day basis, eventually that will come back to have, you know, uh, negative consequences on your life and relationships. How do you, for example, yourself deal with, let's say, example, trauma or pain or these kind of things? Because in general, we are humans each day of our life. Sometimes things happen, could be unexpected, right? So what would you be your reaction to something bad happening to you? And how do you deal with your clients in that regard also? The, the best way to look at any uh, trauma or Uh, failure even, um, is to take what you can from that situation and learn from it because you can actually learn. I mean, there's a lot of coaches with the famous saying is uh, something to the effect of, you know, you learn a lot more from a loss or in, you know, particular situations, a trauma than you would a success. You can learn, uh, you know, what not to do and how to make sure to set yourself up to not um, follow that that same path again. And, And getting 
clients to understand that is definitely one of the the harder things because a lot of people try to not think about failures or trauma that's that's their way to cope with it is they try to avoid it at all costs so being able to evaluate that situation uh trauma or failure in gain what you can from it is very very important yeah so because this is like we humans in general we always try to avoid the pain though sometimes pain is i don't know is there a good some kind of pains that a human should experience do you think I think um, pain is an imperative in human life. I mean, it's a very, it's a, it's been ingrained in us, you know, for, uh, you know, evolutionarily for a very, very long time. If you, if you put your hand on a uh, stove that's on, you're probably not going to do that more than once because of the pain. It's a, it's a learning mechanism. It's your body's way to, you know, alert you to something that's not quite right inside. So if you avoid that or you don't want to experience that, you're, you're putting yourself, um, you know, in a situation where you could be susceptible to uh, various um, other kinds of pain, you know, uh, just being because you're, you you weren't given those red flags beforehand that the pain would have, you know, uh, allowed you to understand about the situation you were in. So Yes. So, so we as a humans, we have to have this psychological flexibility. Can you tell us some kind of a story personally or that you've been through or you know about how can humans be like flexible and because sometimes this what controls is the mind and sometimes the mind likes as we are talking here about does not like to mention or bring on let's say uh, negative experiences right yep so psychological flexibility is essentially um an umbrella that acceptance and commitment theory uh, acceptance and commitment therapy as well as relational frame theory fall under uh they're they're very similar to uh, they're they're like close cousins, I guess, as far as um, you know, relationally to cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, which is widely practiced. If someone goes to a psychologist or a therapist, counselor, the the intervention that they're likely using on you is cognitive behavioral therapy, and it's a slight difference from that for acceptance and commitment therapy, where um, CBT looks to minimize the negative symptoms associated with your condition and um, acceptance and commitment therapy looks to kind of prepare you for the inevitable um, because life happens what we all live in a you know fallen world um, so I mean there, there's going to be challenges you know um, that, that come upon us whether that's a uh, loss in the family again a failure or a trauma that we spoke to previously something like that is going to happen in your future and that's inevitable so it's just preparing you for that um, and the way it does that is it doesn't really look to avoid um, th those kinds of poor feelings again that we kind of spoke to there are six uh, foundational principles to acceptance and commitment therapy and I, I'd be more than willing to um, go into each of those if that's if that's what you'd like yeah yeah sure please expand on that Yep. So the there's, like I said, there's six uh, foundational kind of pillars or principles of ACT. The first one, which was, um, you know, very, very important for me personally was diffusion. Um, essentially, diffusion is the ability to um, gain separation between perseverative negative thoughts for myself personally. That was I am broken. I've, I've had um, you know, uh, mental health struggles for as long as I can remember panic attacks and those kinds of things. So I, and then I, as an athlete, I went through 
tearing both of my ACLs requiring four surgeries. So I just had kind of the ingrained feeling that I am broken. That was my perseverative negative thought and diffusion allowed me to realize I am not broken. Those, those are just words. I am just having thoughts or feelings that I am broken. That's essentially what the first uh, principle is. Um, the second one, which we spoke about previously, was acceptance, and that's not acceptance like standing in a corner and, you know, just kind of accept what happened to you. That's that's not the way that works. It's evaluating those situations or, you know, traumas, failures that you endured previously and learning what you can from them so you don't repeat, you know, you don't go down that same path, which is very, very important. Uh, the third principle is mindfulness, which is very widely um uh, understood most times it's uh, living in the moment it's not looking ahead or behind because likely if you do that you're going to be either apprehensive anxious or depressed um, their self is a context which is the fourth pillar and essentially that posits that there is two versions of ourself that go out into the world each day uh, the first one and it's the one that most people are using um, I would say uh, um, a majority of the time is essentially a mask or a persona that we're trying to put forward. It's um, for football players is just as an example, since I was one for a long time, we, um, you know, tend to be think anyways, we're tough, cool, no emotions, um, th th those kinds of things. And then underneath that is the true version of ourselves. Those are our true feelings, emotions, um, and, and who we really are as a person. Uh, the fifth uh, foundational principle of ACT is we have obviously uh, action, which, you know, without the, the rest would be uh, completely, you know, uh, useless because if you're if you're not applying any of these, it's, you know, re really not going to uh, be, be effective in any any way. Sometimes you see these uh, athletes like yourself have this uh, these kind of injuries, right? And they mm -hmm. were like performing their performance were like high performance. But so for some reason, most of them, from what I am seeing, for example, uh, after these kind of in injuries, ACLs and these kind of things that are really bad, when they come back after six months or a year, right? It's like their performance in general kind of dropped. I don't know if it's the performance is down or is it some kind of fear from the player, for example, that it was a severe injury and I don't want to have this energy injury again. So what's your look on this situation from your experience? Yep, uh, that actually has a specific um, term and it's, it's definitely a, a fear. Essentially, it's called kinesiophobia, and it's essentially the fear of having that same injury again, because as an athlete, if you're going to go through um, your sport, no matter what it is, no, no matter whether it's uh, football or American football or whatever the case may be, these athletes are doing the same motion over and over and over. And, uh, you know, our, we, we're accustomed to our body working in a certain way. And one of one time, for whatever reason, a lot of times, maybe they, like myself, had a non-contact injury where they were doing a movement that they've done thousands of times before that. But whatever the case, you know, for whatever reason, uh, their body gave out, um, you know, and a small a one by one and a half inch um, ligament gave out and kind of changed their athletic, you know, life forever. So it's it's kind of fear of having to restart that process because it's you know a long arduous process and it's 
you know, something that you never really had to think of before as an athlete. It's a tough situation. How do you deal with that? And why not, like, for example, if someone known for their high performance, why do you want to your performance drop just based on the fear of having the, this situation again? Is there something that can prevent this from happening again? Certain things like you talked about mindfulness, for example. Mm-hmm. Maybe there are some certain practices that can remove the fear and at the same time improve your movement as a, for example, as an athlete, if we're talking about athletes also. Yep. I have a very holistic approach on um, joint uh, recovery. So uh, I I go through, you know, the, the entire mental side of things Um, you know, that that's very important. And it's, it's a very large portion of it because of all the fear associated with returning to play. But um, as far as getting back into your sport, you can't discount the um, physical type of training that you're going to have to do. It's going to have to be very joint specific. A lot of people go into the gym and they're more so working out to, you know, get bigger muscles or whatever the case may be. And it's going to be very different type of training that you're going to have to do that uh, you know, it's uh, very joint centric. It's, it's not necessarily, you will gain bigger muscles from it if you do it correctly. But I mean, it's, it's definitely not the, um, you know, the sexiest, uh, workouts that you're going to be doing. And if you continue to incrementally improve the ability of your joint, the way I have, you'll, you'll eliminate the fear of re-injury because what, what you have been doing, if you keep down that path will be much more difficult on your body than actually your sport. Well, the reason people have a lot of apprehension about returning to their sport is the return to play criteria that people generally go through, through a physio or a physical therapist, isn't quite sufficient to uh, make them feel comfortable going back into their sport. For example, I, I played on defense in American football, where you line up from, you know, the extremely large individuals that are, you know, uh, over 300 pounds. Um, So the triple hop test, which is a very important um, test for return to play for ACL patients, which is literally when you stand on a, uh, your injured leg, the leg that was likely operated on and you hop as far as you can three times. Um, that, that the result of that test isn't exactly conducive to me lining up against a, you know, six, five, 300 pound guy that may or may not dive at my knee. I mean, there's one that's definitely a lot more, um, intense than the other. And I'm sure there's very similar situations with, um, your type of football as well, where the triple hop test isn't really conducive to doing certain soccer movements. Yeah. in sport in general, whether they're like running athlete, running marathon, or whatever type of sport it is, right? So, I don't know. Do you think how important is the mentality sh- should be there? Because if you don't have it in your head, you don't have it in your body, right? Because <laughs> yeah, it's 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 one of those things where athletes generally, um, it just speaking in generalities, we don't we're not known for being super, you know, having a lot of really positive coping mechanisms besides our sport. Um, so if you don't have that, if you don't have these processes in place, once your sport is removed, if you're injured for a long period of time, like an Achilles injury, a, you know, an ACL injury, uh, you know, a a Tommy John, um, injury for baseball players where they're out of, you know, their sport for a long time, you're kind of left to to your own devices as far as how you deal with the stresses of day-to-day life. And that's, you know, it's going to be likely negative. You're going to usually go down the substance abuse path, uh, path or, you know, 
uh, have, you know, uh, lash out at people around you, which definitely isn't a positive way to deal with these things. So if you have the positive coping mechanisms in place in order to deal with these things, your rehabilitation will only be uh, much, much more effective. So now, for example, in your in your own business, like I'm sure you might have had some kind of uh, difficulties or failures or something that did not work in your way. So how did yep. you deal with that yourself? Is as far as from a business perspective, correct? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes, certainly. I started a blog because one of the things I noticed immediately uh, following my injury is I just had a very, a very large lack of information about what was going on with me. I mean, uh, generally, when you're with a physician, you're with them for, you know, under five minutes, and they can't really provide you everything you need. So that that's, needless to say, I, I sought out to fill a lot of that information. So someone in my situation could just Google it, and it would come up for them. That being said, um, I, I didn't know some of the more technical things of starting a blog, like connecting it to, you know, Google Search Console, Google um, Analytics, those kinds of things. And it it made it so the first 80 of my posts or so weren't getting indexed. So I've been fighting with that ever since. I, I, I'm getting it fixed, obviously. And it's, it, it's I've came a long way, but that was definitely... Um, you know, a struggle that I've had to overcome. And the, the way you do that is you just, again, uh, you evaluate what you did wrong and how you could prevent that going forward. So now whenever I start a new platform, a new, um, you know, facet of my business, I make sure I know all of the ins and outs before going forward. Any any potential roadblocks, I meet with those who have already done what I'm looking to do. Um, and they can kind of, uh, one of the best questions to ask anyone, I, I can't recommend it more highly enough is getting a mentor in whatever you're trying to do, uh, someone who's already succeeded in what you're trying to do and asking them, um, if you or me knowing what you know now, how would you proceed, you know, right out of the gate? Because you can, uh, alleviate a lot of the pitfalls that most people fall into. What would you say some best tools, resources, for example, or books that you would recommend for people to go through? Books. Um, I'm on kind of a novel kick right now. So not as far as I'm not reading a lot of nonfiction at the moment. Um, mostly, I, I finished The Tale of Two Cities probably about, I don't know, a few weeks ago. And I'm on to other things now. But no, nothing from a nonfiction standpoint that's super helpful. Uh, well, I guess I should... There's a very um, helpful um, Amazon um, Amazon ads book that I read probably end of fourth quarter that, that's been very, very helpful to what I'm doing. Obviously, I'm, I'm an author, so that, that's helped me quite a bit. And the I can't remember the exact title of it, but if you search Amazon, uh, Amazon ads and then Brian Cohen, it, it's a fantastic book and it's cut my advertising costs in half and I doubled my revenue. So I'm, I'm very, very pleased with that. Well, uh, where can people get in touch with you so they can learn more about you and what you do, Keegan? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. I'll admit I'm not, um, you know, the most active as far as posting on my own yet. That's, you know, a goal I have moving forward, but I'm very um, reactive as far as if you shoot me an email, my uh, Handles are at the ACL therapist for both Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me at my website at um, theaclTherapist.com or keeganhadley.com. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Success Grid. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you found value in the show, rate and leave a review on iTunes. For more resources, visit successgrid.net. Until next time.